0: So again, we are in a world of, in need of healing, forgiveness, and grace. And you know, we, uh, as the people of God, have, have a responsibility to, to share that forgiveness and grace that comes from God, the peace that, that only God gives. And you know, there's a heaviness of the soul that can only be unburdened by God. He is the only one that, that can take those burdens away. We stand ready as a people of God that have the answers to share with that world around us. And yet we have a gift, I think, for, for making the, the simple complex. We hold on to things often that need to be let go of. We trust in ourselves, I think, rather than in our creator. We ignore the truth, yet we, we hold tight to feeling and emotion instead of holding on to the truth of this, the truth of the Word of God. You ever felt that your emotions rule over what's really true? There are times where our feelings become more real than, than what is actually true. So we hold on to this emotion contrary to the Word of God, and we willingly wear ourselves down with unbearable burdens that were never meant to carry things that we need to give to God God never lets go it's such a great song that that Rainey sang he never lets go of us but there are things that we do need to let go of so much that we need to learn in scripture we can easily get lost in theological disputes but there are sometimes there are passages if you will that sum up in a great way some things we need to know and I want us to look at one of those today and uh, it's in a book that I don't know if we have ever preached from before, and it comes from Titus chapter 2. This great passage of scripture that really sums things up for us, I believe. Kind of lays out what is this Christian life really about in a a nutshell. And in Titus chapter 2, we're going to begin looking at verse 11. I know we've got it on the screen, but I want to just give me a moment to turn there as well. Titus is a small book in the back. Let's look at it together. It says this. It says, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age, waiting for our blessed hope The appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. The grace of God has appeared. One of the things we always need to remember about the gospel is the gospel is built upon the forgiveness and the grace of Christ. It's on the, built on the forgiveness and the grace of Christ. How, many, how have y'all been doing going through the Bible, by the way, in the year? Everybody doing okay? No? Some of you, yes? It's nice to see some of the head nods. You know, This is probably the first time ever that I've gone through it that I'm, I've not gotten behind, and that's like miraculous for me. But as, as, you've gone, if you've, as you've gone through the Bible, I know many of you have taken the New Testament challenge, which is great. Um, Diane and I stepped it up, and I've said this before, we've, we've gone through the Old Testament as well. But in the Old Testament, it's really difficult sometimes because you read some of these stories, and you're just like, man, I just don't understand this. I don't get this. I don't understand where the, where the grace of, of God is here. But one of the key principles we need to understand about the gospel is that it is built around the forgiveness of and the grace of Christ and and I'm gonna ask you to keep that passage up for me David in in Titus again chapter 2 Can you please put it back up thanks uh, Justin right for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people that grace of God is is desperately what we need we need forgiveness we need the grace of God and it's provided something that we really need it's provided new starts it provides new life it provides new beginnings if you ever needed to start over? If you ever needed a new life? Of course. We need the forgiveness of God, but one of the things that's been really clear to me this past week is that this, this new life and this new start, this new beginning is so key because you can only have a, a new beginning if the past is forgiven, if the past is, is taken away. This past week I've been heavily, heavily working on a video that I'm making for Oliver Gospel Mission. Actually, three videos. And and in those videos, what's happened over the last uh, couple of weeks is I've I've gathered together um, interviews with guys that have been in the program. And so I've been talking to guys that have have gone through alcoholism and and drug addiction, that their lives have, have fallen to pieces to the point that it's driven them to be homeless, to be on the streets, have lost connection with family to have lost you know just everything around them brought as low as they could possibly be brought low but the whole focus of our our gala the celebration that we're having the mission's been around for 130 years is this aspect of meaningful work you know one of the the things for 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 homeless men to get back in gear is that they need a job right but how do you get a job when you have a past of, of drunkenness, you've got a past of, of, of drug abuse, you, you've actually, in one case, one of the guys robbed two different stores at gunpoint. Armed robbery, and, and so he spent eight years in prison. He has a federal record. How does someone like that get a job again? If they don't have a second chance if they don't have the ability to have a new life to move on to the future it's one thing to get off drugs and and alcohol and to and to reconcile things with your family but then if you're never ever given that second chance the ability to walk again the ability to work again in this case that's really where where new life is found And, and the grace of god has appeared god provides the grace and the ability to to be forgiven right Second Corinthians 5 where it says that the old is gone and that the new has come. And what's cool about these guys is that we see that the old is gone and there are people that have actually stepped out and taken a risk on these guys and said we're going to give you a second chance. There's this one guy in particular named Spanky. That's his nickname. His real name is Mark but he's called Spanky because when he was a kid his brothers and sisters used to Put him up to getting all the pies out of the window, saying, oh, Mama's going to be easy on you if you take the pies. Of course, she wasn't. She spanked him anyway. So, somehow, got, that's how he got the nickname Spanky. So, Spanky, he's one of those guys that I was talking about. He's one of the ones that was involved in armed robbery, but he's got a brand new life. And this guy can't even talk without Jesus coming up. And he's like the happiest guy I've ever met. But guess what his job is? He's a dishwasher. He's probably the happiest dishwasher that you've ever met in your entire life, and that's what he wants to do. You know, he's, he's, I think he's actually he's, uh, older than a lot of the other guys in the mission. He's not far from retirement, actually, but he is just the happiest guy that you could imagine because of the grace and forgiveness of God that the old life is gone and the new life has come, and he's just the happiest dishwasher Taco sushi's where he works, has ever had. But that only happened because of the grace of God, the forgiveness that God gives, but also the fact that he was offered forgiveness by other people, in particular uh, society. God's forgiven us, but he's also called us to be forgivers. I want you to think about that. If If you were... there are different situations in our lives where we need the grace of God, we need God's forgiveness, but we need the forgiveness of society, we need the forgiveness of our family, of our in those relationships and the people around us to give us a true second chance. Rather than things continually being held over your head, rather than continuing to see someone in the frame if you will of the past. You ever feel like you've never been able to break out of something? There's something that hangs over your head in the past. The thing that's amazing about the grace of God is that God no longer sees us that way. He says that we've, our sins have been forgiven, and they're as far away as the east is from the west. There's a passage that says they're buried in the, in the sea of forgetfulness. They're gone. God doesn't see ourselves that way. That's why when he talks about love, he says that, that real love has no record, if you know this passage, of what? No record of wrongs. God doesn't bring it back up. As we think of the grace of God, as we think of the forgiveness He's given us, we are also to be forgivers. I want to just bring that up to you in Matthew 18. We're going to look at Matthew 18, verse 21. Peter asked Jesus about this question, because forgiveness is so key to grace, isn't it? Peter came up to him and said, Lord, how often will my brother sin against me and I forgive him? And he says, thinking that, you know, Jesus would applaud what he had to say up to seven times. Seven in the Bible is the number of perfection. So Peter's thinking he's kind of being a brown noser almost. Seven times? Maybe other people might say a couple, but I'm saying seven, right? But this is what Jesus says to him. He said, I do not say to you seven times, but seventy times times seven. That's a lot. It's funny because in our, in our mind we want to we add it up and say, okay, well, how, what's 70 times seven again? Who are, who are, are, are counting here? Uh, how many, how many, what's the number of that? 490? I'm just double checking because, you know, I haven't had much sleep this past week. 490, so, you know, if Brad's, At 489, he better watch it. Is that what Jesus is saying? No, it's it's an, an exaggeratory statement. This, you continue to forgive. Is there a number that God has in mind for you? Thank God, no. There is no point at which we've pushed God too far. Because one of the things we forget is that our righteousness is not our own. The Bible teaches that we are only considered holy and righteous before God because of who? Because of Jesus, who was what? Perfect. But the forgiveness that God gives us, He says, you have a responsibility as well that the grace of God might be extended, that the grace of God might allow other people to walk in new life to forgive. Seventy times seven. How do we do that? are many of us have been hurt over and over and over again. But how often have we hurt God over and over and over again? The Bible continually shows us in the New Testament, well, the entire Bible, that we are to be like God. He says, be holy as I am holy. Be like Jesus. We have to be forgivers. So therefore, it says, he, he tells this story, gives a great example. He says, the kingdom of heaven, right, the, the, the atmosphere that God has created, this is what it's like. He says, therefore, the kingdom of heaven might be compared to this, to a king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Okay, And when he began to settle, one was brought to him who owed him 10,000 talents. He owed him a lot of money. And since he could not pay, his master ordered him to be sold uh, with his wife and children and all that he had in payment to be made. That's what you did. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have, have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And, and out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave him the debt. Just wiped it away. A huge debt. A life-changing debt. If some of you are like me and you're like up to your eyeballs in debt, you think about that being gone, we would be like, wow. And we're happy to accept that, right? We're happy to, and and this guy was, I'm sure, just just dancing and jumping and just like, man, I have have just like a whole new life. I I don't know how many years it would have taken me to, to get out of this debt, but it's gone. We're happy to receive that, aren't we? But the rest of the story tells an interesting tale. So the servant fell on his knees. I lost my spot here. I was wife and children, all they had in payment to be made. So the servant fell on his knees, imploring him, have patience with me, and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the master of that servant released him and forgave the debt. But here's the other side of the story. When that same servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a 100 denarii compared to all this talents all this huge amount of money this guy owed him a little bit and it says in seizing him he began to choke him saying pay what you owe so his fellow servant fell down and pleaded with him have patience with me and i will pay you he acted the same way that he had just done to the other guy But it says, he refused and went and put him in prison until he should pay the debt. Like, what in the world is wrong with this guy? He was happy to receive grace, but he wasn't willing to give it. We often live lives like that. If we are going to truly understand God's grace, we have to not be just receivers of God's grace, but givers of God's grace as well. And in this particular situation, it was so lopsided. This guy had been forgiven so much, and then he went and choked this other dude and threw him in prison. How can we be so blind? What his fellow servants saw, what had taken place... from the heart. We're called to to not just receive grace, we're called to give grace. We experience grace when we give grace as well, we're to have the heart of Christ. And so as we go back to Titus, let's look at that passage again back at the beginning in Titus chapter 2, for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people. Be reminded this morning of the great debt that God has forgiven you, of the sin in our life that's been taken away, a debt, honestly, that we could never repay. God has given us great grace, and it's salvation for all people. If they would just take of it. But it's this grace that's given us, this grace is given us for. A reason, but before we, we go on in Ephesians chapter four, one more example of that uh, of forgiveness in Ephesians four. If you'd throw that up for me, Justin says this. He says, "Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. We're to forgive as He forgave us. So the grace of God." It says it's appeared, but it's, it's appeared for a reason. Grace has a purpose. Grace, that forgiveness, that life being forgiven, it's, it's been given, if you will, so that we can get back to work, right? It's been given for a reason. Real joy is not found in just grace, okay? But in a life that's back on track, in a life that's living according to, to its purpose right a train gets derailed and you you get the train back on the tracks a train on the tracks are not given to be restrictive they're given so that the train is chugging along at a great speed living according to its purpose the forgiveness for these guys at the mission is so that they can get back to work they can be self-sufficient again they can live life the way that it was truly intended. Grace is not just given to say, all right, well, we forgive you. Great. And just keep doing it and we'll be forgiven. The 400, the 70 times seven, are, or, or the opportunities, the chances to get up again, the opportunities to get back to work, the opportunities to get up and to actually love the proper way, to say the right things, to do the right things, to leave the past behind and become different people. Grace is so that. It's not something that you just sit in. It's an opportunity after opportunity for God to work in your life and make those course corrections to make the changes that need to be made. In verse 12, and and go back to Titus again for me, we're going through this passage today. In verse 12 it says, this grace is, is training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age." It's like we've said before, God loves you the way that you are, the way that you are, but He also promises, what, not to leave you that way. Because living in that stuff, in that life, isn't joyful. It's painful. If you ask these guys, you know, Spanky, that's great that he's been forgiven, right? It's great that maybe he's come out of prison now, or he has, obviously, (laughs) you know? But then what? There's a reason, there's a purpose behind it all. Grace has a purpose. And so we require this training to to renounce, to get rid of this garbage in our lives, that that our lives might be changed, the things that are not like God in our life to become like Him. The things that have to be filtered out, if you will, right? I just, uh, I don't know if you've got one of these, but I just spent a little bit of money uh, last week and, and got one of these fancy, I don't know, Brita, is it Brita water filters, right? You start out with this crummy water that I've got and you pour it in and it gets filtered out, and all the garbage is taken away. And that you're left with this, this pure, delicious water. As much as I obsess over coffee, I realize my coffee stunk because I had bad water. But God is, is he's, he's filtering our lives. He's taking things out that don't belong. He's changing things that need to be changed the grace is given for a reason let's go back and look at that passage again in titus waiting for our, for this okay training us to renounce ungodliness worldly passions all these things that, that need to go in verse 13 waiting for our blessed hope the appearing of the glory of our great god and savior jesus christ who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness And to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. And we won't need that filter forever. The Lord's going to continue to change things in our lives, but it won't always be a struggle. Because we are waiting for God's physical return. The second coming of Christ, as we call it, right? He will come back. He is our hope. We look for His appearing. But it says that He's, he's purifying for Himself a people. He's, he's changing us and making us who we were intended to be to begin with. When we consider that purifying process, so many times we might get hung up on, on legalistic kinds of things, but this purifying process is meant to bring us more in line with Christ, that we might live truly, that we might be the people God's called us to be. He's purifying a people for himself. In Titus chapter 3, let's look at this. This is later on in Titus, just a great passage here as well. Verses 5 and 7, it says that he saved us, again, not because of works done by us in righteousness. Nothing that we did was good enough, okay? Okay. It's only because of God's righteousness. It says, But according to His own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom He poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. There's this aspect of regeneration, this aspect of renewal that God is is taking you and shaping you and molding you to be the person that He wants you to be. By the Holy Spirit of God, because God is looking for a people who are like this. Let's go back to the other Titus verse. The very end of this, this aspect here says this: Who gave Himself to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify us for Himself, a people, for His own possession, who are zealous for good works. People who are zealous for good works, who are excited to do the right thing, who are excited to live life. The way it was meant to live who are excited to to walk with god he's looking for for those kind of people that's the ones that he's looking for and when you see this next description in this last passage that we have you'll you'll understand why think about the kind of people and this is a worldly perspective from us, from us that you would want to be around so many times you think about yourself, would you like to be around yourself? That was a quick answer of no. That was an easy answer for some of us, right? How many of you don't like yourself? You're not supposed to be raising your hand, so good. But if you're honest, aren't there things about yourself that you hate? You can nod your head and raise your hand if you want. There are, aren't there? It's funny, we complain about, you know, the requirements that Jesus has at times and how He wants us to be, but we don't even like our own selves. And there's a reason for that because there's sin, there's crap, there's garbage in our lives. We are not the people that we need to be, are we? That's why this process of cleansing, that's why the Holy Spirit in our lives, God is chipping away God is changing us God is 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 calling out a people to be like him he's changing our hearts he's changing our minds because the way we think is awful messed up sometimes you know I continually talk about myself in traffic who I am in traffic I think is the real lance sometimes I think I'm doing good and I see what I'm like in traffic I know what I'm like for the day where I'm at, what needs to be changed, and I ask a continual reminder, Lord, change me. Change the way I think. Change my heart. The things I say shouldn't be said. The things I think, you know, there's this, all this stuff comes out. When you get angry, when you get upset, when something happens to you you don't like, whatever it is, you see those things, you don't like that part of yourself, do you? But Jesus is molding us to be like this. He wants us to be zealous for good works. And and this is what it looks like. I want you to write this down. Type it into your phone right now. Send an email to yourself, a text to yourself, something, so you remember this passage. Okay? Write this down. Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. Colossians 3. 12 through 17 I'll bring it up again at the end. If you need a piece of paper, pen, I guarantee you it'd be worth it. So this is what Colossians 3:12 through 17 says. Put on then as God's chosen ones, Holy and beloved. That's how God sees you, by the way. Can we stop and, and think about that for a minute after we've talked about self hatred? Holy. You're holy, Edie. You know what? David. You're holy. Brad. <laughs> You're holy. Okay, I call on all of you. All right? But some of you are thinking that just doesn't fit. I know, Brad. What's the deal? But this is this is the way that Jesus sees us, isn't it? This is the way that God sees us as believers in Christ. Holy and beloved. Holy and loved. Yes, even you, Lance. I was about to trip and and bite the big one there. And you, Madonna. Do you see yourself as holy and loved? This is what God sees. Therefore, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. This is what you're to do. Like you put on clothes in the morning, okay? And you get ready to go to work. This is what he says, put on compassionate hearts. And by the way, we actually can do this because of the Holy Spirit, because of God himself. As believers in Christ, as Christians, the Bible teaches us that that the Holy Spirit, God Himself, dwells within us. It's a mystery that's crazy and hard to understand, and doesn't always feel like it's true. But that's what the Bible teaches. Because of that, we can do this. He says, "Put on compassionate hearts." That means I can put on a compassionate heart. That even though I work with homeless, there are other homeless sometimes I pass, or other people I I, I go and i see on the street and i think you know i've helped that dude but then you just didn't care you know so i have this mentality well you know i'll be compassionate to this guy but not compassionate to that guy he don't deserve it But this car that just cut me off you know do you ever make judgments on who's worthy of compassion all the time but god says this put on compassionate hearts i tell you what if you have a compassionate heart Your joy is different for the day. Your perspective is different for the day. And we sometimes can put on a compassionate heart after something maybe really bad has happened to us or we've seen something really bad happen to somebody else, to someone else, and we have a different perspective. We have a shift in the way that we think, right? It shouldn't be just in moments like that. He says put on compassionate hearts. Put on kindness, humility. This one could almost sum everything else up. Humility, meekness, and patience. Yeah, it's in there. Some of you are like, Lance, I wish you'd hurry up. I'm ready for lunch. Patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, here it is, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive there it is again pointed out three different passages of scripture that talk about that we cannot just again be receivers of grace we have to be givers of grace how many times 490 (laughs) 490 to affinity and beyond Forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Love is a binder. Love is a thing that holds things together, right? And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. What's ruling in your heart right now? Think about that. What's the state of your heart this morning? It's only two people that know, God and you. You know, you could be really hurt this morning. You could be really angry this morning. You could be really jealous this morning. You could be, you know, any number of things. But as believers, he says, we're called to let the peace of Christ rule. to which indeed you were called in one body. He's talking about the church. And be thankful. This is key. And this is why I told you to write down this passage too. Because what I just asked you to do for if your if homework, so to speak, in church, is something we need to do all the time. Because look what it says. Let the word of Christ dwell. What's another word for dwell? Here we go. Here's some audience participation. What's another word for dwell? Live. Stay, that's good. Would you say linger? linger? That's good. Live, stay, linger, in bed. embed. That's good. Man, this is like <laughs> English 201 in here. <laughs> Let the word of Christ do that. Dwell in you, live, stay. You know, all these things we said in you, what? Not just for a little while, but it says richly too. Something is, is rich, it's, it's deep, it's filling, it's, it's full. Let it be in you. Dwell on it. It's one thing to, to read scripture. Okay, I read it. Check my box for the day. I'm moving on the next day for reading through the Bible in a year. That's great. But it will never change you one bit unless you dwell on it unless you allow it to ritually become a part of you. You take it in, you listen, right? Would you ever say to your kids? Hey, Madonna, listen to me. I've told you so many times, listen to what I say. And you said it to your own kids, too. Are you listening to me? Do you understand the words that are coming out of my mouth? Right? It's one thing to... To hear the words, it's another thing to take them in, right? I said to clean your room, Trey. They didn't tell me that in advance, I'm just saying. We see a, the Word of God full of stories. Jesus told the Israelites in advance, listen to me. If you don't listen to me, this is what will happen. They heard what he said, and they did it anyway. They didn't take it to heart. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And so I'm asking you to allow Colossians 3 to dwell in you so that you begin to think through this week and you say, you know what, I want to have a heart of compassion. I I want to focus on that thing. I want to focus on love. And so let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And as it does, teaching and admonishing one another if something's, you've been dwelling on it in the church and other believers, you're to teach about it. You're to admonish. What's another, here we go again. What's another word for admonish? That's not a word we use. Can somebody give me another word? No, no cheating, no Googling. What? No, not correcting. I mean, there's a piece of that to it. What does it mean to admonish someone? This is great to talk about this. You're like, I could think, it's tr- that's true, but it, it's got more to it than that. It starts with an E. No, that's it, it. Does start with an E, though? Huh? Yeah. Educate. Educate. That's, we're getting closer. Scold. Not scold. Yes, yeah, it's a zon- source. It's, <laughs> it's a source. It's wrong. To admonish means to encourage. The yeah. teaching, the education, that aspect of it is true. You're drawing attention to it, but it's this idea of encouragement. I admonish you, okay? To admonish one another in all wisdom. So dwell in what God has to say. Dwell in what the Word of God says. Teaching and admonishing one another. This is what He says. And let me encourage you. Let me help you. Let me remind you. Admonishing one another in all wisdom. And then it says this. This is great. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. Tell you what, your week would be really different if you dwelled and thought what God on what God had to say, dwelled on it richly, and you sang. Spanky, this guy I was telling you about, his life's radically changed. All he does is he just sings and sings while he's at work, washing dishes. All the do-da-day, okay? <laughs> you know? But he... He talks about how much he likes Toby Mac. This is a guy in his 60s and just digging Toby Mac and all these other Christian artists. And and I talked to the people where he uh, used to be in the kitchen. The chef of our kitchen in the mission says that Spanky came up to the chef when he got there. He said, "I'm a dishwasher." He's like, "Okay." And so he would wash dishes, but there'd be a, there'd be free time where the there would be nothing to do. All the dishes were clean, and Spanky would sit on the uh, sit on the seat, and his, his legs would just swing because he's short. And he had his little New Testament, and he would just read it, and he would sing. Tell you what, your week would be different this week if you dwell on the Word of God and you sing. A song in your heart. Not just on Sunday. And it's not about what kind of music I'm telling you to listen to or not listen to, but I'll tell you what, there, there's a big difference between, you know... Uh, I forgot the name. 104.7 and 89.7. There's different in encouragement there. This is, is what he says to do. And then he says this, and this is, this wraps it up. And whatever you do, let's pause on that for a minute. Whatever, the things you do that people see you do, Things you do that no one else sees you do but God. Things you say, all this stuff. Whatever you do in word or deed, the things you say, the things you do, everything. right? Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus. In your mind, I would think through that a little bit. Can you do that? in the name of the Lord Jesus you plan to do certain things or can you plant the flag and say I do this in the name of Jesus when you go to lunch today okay plant that flag Of course you can you can eat in the name of Jesus he's, he's, he wants you to celebrate he wants you to eat want you to enjoy life can you do that yeah sure can but while you're at dinner can you can you I say this the name of Jesus on your way to the restaurant can Lance plant the flag and say I said this or I've chosen not to say this in the name of Jesus when you're at work things you choose to say do can it be done that's the whole point right this is the actual biblical version of the what would Jesus do bracelets Can you do this in the name of Christ? Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. And you know why you give thanks? is because you're remembering that grace that you have received. And then you're remembering that you are called to give it to. Therein is life. I ask you to stand as you wrap things up this morning. Colossians, if you've got to get a pen and write it on your hand. If we need a tattoo, we probably do. It'd be a good thing to have all the way down the arm. That's a lot of words. Yeah. It's a lot of words. Let's just stick with the <laughs> reference like, maybe. Like yeah. Okay. Talk about a, one heck of a reminder. Dwell on those words this week. Dwell on the word and sing. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we... uh, Boy, do we need that. Lord, I pray that we would be willing to give grace just as much as we receive it. Let us not be forgetful people. And so, Lord, help us to dwell on this passage this week. Help us to dwell on your word. Help us to sing. Lord, we, um, there are many moments in our lives so that we forget that you are with us. Lord, help us to, to plant that flag and to say that we do this and we say this in the name of Jesus. Everything, all that we are. Lord, let, us be, let it be obvious to the people around us that, that we belong to you. We love you. We thank you for the grace you've given us, for the things you've taught us this morning. Lord, by the power of your Spirit, help us to live it. In Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said, Amen. Amen. Amen.